Welcome back to Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060, online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. We pop on out to the KDOS hotline to try to figure out what's going on in Baltimore between the Ravens and quarterback Lamar Jackson. We're joined by Luke Jones from WNST in Baltimore. Luke, it's Bob and Kayla today. How are you? Doing well. How are you guys? We're doing fantastic. Uh, there's kind of a lot to figure out in a timeline perspective here as well and what's fact and what's fiction. So hopefully you can help delineate for us. A report came out that the Ravens offered Jackson an extension worth $250 million and $133 million guaranteed when he signed that contract that would run through the 2027 season. The report is that Lamar turned this down and he wants a similar deal to Deshaun Watson, which was $230 million fully guaranteed for five years then you have the Ravens franchise tagging Lamar but it's non-exclusive followed by Lamar tweeting out this week that he has asked the Ravens for a trade so what parts have we gotten right wrong and what is the relationship really like I think you got most of it right I mean I think that's the understanding that most of us are working under and keep in mind I mean, we're you know this has very much been a case of the Ravens being quite quiet uh, as far as what they've offered how talks have gone you know we've heard Eric DaCosta talk on a few occasions, their general manager, talking about it taking two to, to tango. Uh, we, we've gotten that indication over the last couple of years that Lamar hasn't always uh, been willing to engage uh, in talks the way that a traditional agent would, would do. Uh, and Lamar has said very little about it. So uh, what you just put together you know, sums it up nicely. I'll point out that when he announced earlier this week that when he made that trade request, that was the day after Eric DaCosta spoke at the Combine in Indianapolis and five days before the Ravens officially put the non-exclusive tag on him. So it's messy. It's complicated. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying anything that anyone hasn't gathered at this point after two-plus years of negotiations uh, for the longest time in town. Fans would bristle about these questions because they, they'd say, it's a non-story. Of course Lamar and the Ravens are going to work it out. Well, uh, if, if it was a non-story, then why hasn't it happened? And here we are two-plus years later. Uh, look, I, I don't think that the trade request itself necessarily means that this isn't salvageable, doesn't mean that uh, they're definitely parting ways, uh, because the reality is, even with the non-exclusive tag, that, that was essentially an invitation for Lamar to go get his, seek his value in the way that you would when a player requests a trade uh, in, in instances like this. So uh, a trade request can oftentimes be uh, exactly what my gut tells me this is at this point in time, which is a negotiating ploy. Now, that doesn't mean that won't ultimately be the end result at some point, but uh, you know, to, to answer your questions, uh, you, you summed it up nicely, but it's complicated, and I'm not exactly sure that we're going to get a swift resolution here, and uh, this is something that could play out all through the summer, and I wouldn't even be shocked if we're sitting here a year from now still talking about this situation. John Harbaugh has really said all the right things, it seems, throughout this Lamar drama. Uh, how frustrated do you think he actually might be or really is regarding all this stuff in the last you know, two, you know, couple of years running now, right? Yeah, I mean, I, the organization has to be frustrated. I mean, there's no question about that. And, and on the flip side, Lamar Jackson has to be frustrated. I think what's made this so complicated, Bob and Kayla, is that both of these parties come from a fair – negotiating you know, a fair argument you know, that has some merit. If you're Lamar, you're saying, well, if Deshaun Watson got this after sitting out a year and all of his off-field junk that I've 
you know, I don't have any off-field issues like that. I haven't been accused of, you know, sexual assault or anything like that in the same way he was. So why, why don't I deserve that? On the flip side, if you're the Baltimore Ravens, you're saying, Lamar, we understand that. However, we've been in the same division as, as the Cleveland Browns for the better part of two-plus decades, and uh, they're one of the worst, very worst organizations in professional sports. So we're not going to take our business cues off of what they do. So, you know, that, that's where it leads to this impasse. I don't think it's gotten personal. I, I think I, I do truly believe and, and know that the Ravens love Lamar Jackson, the person. Uh, I do believe that Lamar Jackson, all things being equal, even with this trade request, my gut still tells me that he would be more than willing to still and still want to play in Baltimore long term if they would meet his price. Uh, and on the flip side, the Ravens, as much as they do like Lamar Jackson, uh, they, to this point in time, have not been willing to go as far as the full guarantee that he seeks. So, you know, I, I've said for a while now, you know, there's almost been this perception uh, of fans, and I understand, I mean, they, they want this to work out. They, they, they want their franchise quarterback to marry the, the, the organization long term. But uh, I think we need to you know, pull back on some of the warm fuzzies as far as these, these sides loving each other as much as they have said in the past. But that doesn't mean they don't want, you know, that they don't want each other or, or the Ravens don't want Lamar. But two-plus years into this, as I said, if you, if you really wanted to make this work, you know, both sides would have come to an agreement at some point. And so there has to be frustration but does that mean that this is at a point where they, you know, no, at the point of no return? I don't think they're there yet, and you know, we'll just have to see how it plays out. The reality is Lamar can request a trade. One, the Ravens have to grant it. Two, there has to be a team that wants him at the price that he's asking for and the compensation that the Ravens would ask for, which is at the very least the first-round picks, the, the offer sheet process. So it's complicated, but uh, again, I think this is just – all part of a very difficult, unique, and at times, more more recently, bizarre negotiating process. Luke Jones, WNST in Baltimore here on KDOS AM 1060 in the extra point. So let's play out this potential trade and figure out what teams would potentially be interested in Lamar Jackson. So uh, a lot has been floated out about the Indianapolis Colts. I'd imagine that they would need to give up the fourth pick in this year's draft if it were to get done this offseason. The Falcons, but they've said that they aren't interested and announced Desmond Ritter, the starter, on Tuesday. The Commanders, Ron Rivera. Vera is quoted as saying he didn't think it was a direction they wanted to go. Uh, I've also maybe heard the Vikings with Kirk Cousins playing out the last year of his deal. But what really is the market for Lamar Jackson? I mean, Kayla, it just it doesn't seem like there is one right now. Now, all it takes is one team. And keep in mind, uh, Deshaun Watson had eliminated the Cleveland Browns from that process a year ago uh, until Jimmy Haslam comes over the top with, uh, the offer that changed everything and, and has the Ravens in this mess, quite frankly, uh, in my opinion. But uh, I, I think you just look at it, it's complicated. I mean, you look at the current cap space. I mean, you mentioned it. Going into the start of the new league year, Atlanta was the team that on paper you looked at all the cap space. You know, Desmond Ritter looked okay at the end of last year, but we're not talking about a first-round pick. Uh, but they've spent a whole lot. And their cap space, you know, I think, and I'm just going off of Over the Cap, the site that does a great job with salary caps around the NFL, and they've got like $20 million in cap space right now. I mean, that's not nearly the, the kind of flexibility you're going to need to sign Lamar Jackson, the deal he seeks, and also a deal that the Ravens wouldn't match, hypothetically. I think Indy is still the team, if you're going to ask me to name one right now, that feels plausible. I know Chris Ballard's talked about it in some terms that 
leaving open the possibility. But I also know Jim Ursay at the owners' meetings talked about not wanting to do a fully guaranteed contract. So, you know, I think the commanders are interesting not because of, you know, you just said it, Ron Rivera uh, has thrown cold water on it, but they've got a new ownership group coming, presumably. And uh, what better way, if you're a, an ownership group that's going to spend, I don't know, what, five, six, $6 billion, whatever the reported uh, asking price is of Daniel Snyder, you know, could that be something theoretically uh, that, that they would try to do? Sure, but what's the time frame of that? And even if you're talking about some of these teams waiting uh, until after the draft, as some people have, have uh, suggested, you know, it's just not that simple to create that much cap space without you know, starting to blow up your roster. And are, are you going to do that a month and a half, two months, three months into the off season? So I just don't know who it is at this point. And that's not to say that there aren't teams, all things being equal, that would be all over Lamar Jackson. But again, goes back to every single variable. His asking price, the compensation to the Ravens, the fact that he doesn't have an agent, the fact that he's missed roughly a third of their games over the last two years, uh, and coupling with that, his style of play, that you know, throwing out the scenario of a serious you know, career-ending injury, just how's he going to age? You know, he's going to slow down as he gets older, as we all do. So you, know, you just have so many different factors at work that have complicated this, and yeah, sure. I mean, if people want to throw out the, the, the collusion element, these are rich billionaires who talk and do business a certain way to, <laughs> to get to the point that they've gotten to in their respective lives. So uh, to me, it's all those different things, but you know, to, to just try to pinpoint a team that right now I feel strongly about, like I said, Indy, is there a non-zero chance on paper? Sure, because they do have cap space and they have the fourth overall pick, but I just, at this point, especially now, what, we're two weeks into the new league year, I I just don't see it. So uh, it really is a case where I'm not expecting a a resolution for this thing anytime soon, which makes it very difficult for the Ravens in their efforts to try to improve for 2023. You mentioned the injury thing. That's exactly what I was going to bring up next. He's been banged up the last couple of years. How much does that factor into this current situation or current stalemate, so to speak? I mean, I think it has to. Uh, and, and let's be very clear. This is not to say that Lamar is bound to suffer a career-ending injury. I mean, we saw Dak Prescott suffer a gruesome injury on the tag just a couple years ago, and he turned out fine, right? Uh, it's not to say that any durability, health, age, you know, as he gets older, older, how does his game age? None of that, in my opinion, disqualifies him from what would be the conventional top-of-market deal that, frankly, the Ravens offered, which was, you know, a, a, a reported 133 fully, you know, fully guaranteed at signing and then upwards of about 175 for uh, injury guarantee. And then there was another rolling guarantee that I wouldn't really call a guarantee because it was a couple years down the line. But the point is, the, the Ravens haven't lowballed him to the point where it was, you know, only the 10th best quarterback contract or anything like that. They just haven't given him the full guarantee. And, look, it doesn't change my life one way or the other, and I'm not rooting against Lamar Jackson or rooting for the Ravens to get him at hit their price, but I can certainly see trepidation, the hesitancy to look at how the last couple of years have played out with Lamar, understanding the history of running quarterbacks, understanding just biology and how we all get lower and less athletic as we get older, and that's true for pro athletes, too, that yeah, I'll give Lamar, a, I'll give him the moon from a, a more conventional standpoint, but if it's the Deshaun Watson full guarantee at signing plus more, 
Yeah, I, I, I'm not exactly looking at him as the prototype that I'm going to give that kind of deal to, regardless of what the Cleveland Browns did a year ago. He's Luke Jones, WNST in Baltimore here on KDOS AM 1060 in the Extra Point. Uh, you know, kind of along the lines of assessing what's going on offensively, wide receivers has been a bit of an issue here for the Ravens. Traded Hollywood Brown last offseason. A bunch of injuries did happen to the Ravens wide receiver core this season. But the big acquisition, I guess, was Nelson Aguilar. And I'm not really sure that that's a big-time acquisition here. So is any of this factoring in from... You know, Lamar's standpoint, is any of this factoring in from the Ravens in the front office standpoint about maybe potentially directional uh, issues for, for the Ravens moving forward? Well, I mean, I, and Bob and I have probably talked about this a half dozen times going all the way back to the Joe Flacco years uh, of the Ravens. As great of an organization as they are, wide receiver has absolutely been a blind spot. Uh, and that's not to say they haven't made attempts. As you just mentioned, Kayla, they drafted Marquise Brown uh, in 2019. Rashad Bateman two years later, and before the Hollywood Brown trade on on draft night last year, it kind of felt like the Ravens were not the best wide receiver group in the NFL, but better, uh, certainly representative, and they had put forth the effort. But I think where where the, the the problem was one trading Hollywood Brown was one thing, but not replacing him was a major mistake, a major tactical error. Uh, it's something that I wasn't comfortable with even before Bateman got hurt. Uh, so, so you have that. Do I think that factors into Lamar's frustration level a little bit? Yeah, sure. I, I, I think that would be fair. I, I don't think that's priority one or at the top of his list. But what's complicated now, because you mentioned Nelson Aguilar, and again, there's nothing big about that signing. It's just, you know, it is what it is. If he's their number four receiver, then fine. But if he's a starting receiver, then it's much of the same for the Ravens. But the problem is what I just mentioned as far as the Ravens offseason they're in a position where they're trying to maintain as much cap flexibility as they can in the event that there is that mystery team that tries to sign Lamar to an offer sheet. And maybe it's you know uh, an offer that's better than theirs, but not the full guarantee that Lamar has, uh, you, know, well, you know, we, we assume to be seeking uh, all this time. Uh, so there's that. And then on the flip side, okay, it's one thing Nelson Aguilar, who, let's face it, is not a number one wide receiver. He's not a number two wide receiver. He needs... He wants a job, right? And the Ravens were a great opportunity and offered him $3.25 million to do it. But if you're a receiver like Odell Beckham, even met with the Ravens at the owners' meetings out in Phoenix, are you going to eagerly sign up with the Baltimore Ravens when you have no idea if Lamar Jackson or whoever their quarterback is going to be? So uh, everything you said about wide receiver is valid. I mean, it's something that I've banged the table about for years with this organization, which uh, you know, despite all their success, it's an area they've really you know, dropped the ball at times. But I, I, can, I do understand the reality of where they are right now, and they're, they're just kind of stuck. So I, I think their best bet, uh, short of Lamar, coming to an agreement with them tomorrow, and maybe they try to acquire DeAndre Hopkins or whoever might be out there via trade, but I think their best bet's probably going to be to the draft. And that's where they've tried in recent years. But, yeah, the results have been mixed, and – uh, you know, I, I, I suspect even if Lamar is lining up at quarterback uh, for the Ravens this fall and, and all is well, or at least temporarily well, uh, we're going to be talking about wide receiver in Baltimore as we do on an annual basis. Okay, one last thing for me here. Sorry. Um, i, I got to ask you about Calais Campbell, who obviously started his career here and his younger days here. He used to 
come on this show is uh, just wanted to kind of practice his media savvy and uh, whether he could do that as a career and I think he eventually will. But why is Campbell no longer there? Because obviously he wants to play. He's going to Atlanta. Yeah, I mean, it really, it really did come down to cost and their salary cap picture. I mean, this was a Ravens team that had to clear space just to fit Lamar Jackson's $32.4 million cap figure, let alone if they had any designs at any point about using the exclusive tag, which ultimately they didn't. But, you know, Calais, his cap number was supposed to be a little over $9 million. He was owed $7 million in new money. I do know they tried to work out a revised deal, uh, but he ultimately got released two days before the start of the new league year. That's typically, you know, when, when you have that kind of timing, that's typically a sign that, the Ravens wanted him to take too much of a pay cut, and Calais being uh, still uh, playing at a high level. Okay, he's not the guy he was five or ten years ago, but he still uh, was their best defensive lineman a year ago. He said, you know, I'll, I'll explore my other options, and he had plenty of, of suitors where he was at least talking to them. Yeah. I'm a little surprised it's Atlanta, based on the fact that I know he's been chasing a Super Bowl for a long time, uh, but you know, him also recognizing he's an NFLPA guy. If the Falcons stepped up financially a little more than some of the other teams he talked to, that uh, makes a little bit more sense. But love Calais Campbell. I wish him well. And uh, he certainly made a very positive impact on and off the field here in Baltimore, as, uh, as you just alluded to, he did the same in Phoenix. Luke, we greatly appreciate you taking some time trying to dissect everything. And uh, as you've pointed out a couple of times, this is a complicated matter, probably not being resolved tomorrow. So we'll likely be checking back with you soon. That sounds good. Take care, Bob and Kayla. Good to talk to you. Thank you so much. Once again, he is Luke Jones there uh, with WNST in Baltimore.